The Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. Views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times, if it's time, rise up, rise up. When death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil, when the feast that feeds you starves our father's children, when snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up. When famine claims millions, when justice gives blind eyes to billions, when the Lord's anger is no longer feared, if his protection is gone and your enemies are near, if you've seen the seas spill over and the mountains shake, break, and fall, if the moon ever turns blood red and you can't see the sun at all, Good evening and welcome to New Abolitionist Radio, this live edition for January 31, 2018, January the 31st, 2018, last day of the month into this new year and we're going out with a podcast and broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio. Uh, shout out to all the abolitionists out there. Shout out to Max. I'm not sure if Max is going to be joining us tonight as I mentioned on air or through the network that Max just moved into a new home just the other day so he's still getting situated having issues. I believe they were supposed to install the internet today but if we hear from Max and Max able to call in, y'all know Max is going to call in. Otherwise it's just me and you. I'll be uh, hosting this program probably the first time in years because Max stay on the job. Max don't don't miss too many shows. Although I'm sure it's been a few over um, year since 2012 that we've been doing these shows but we do have a special guest joining us tonight should be joining us here in just about five or six minutes we'll be talking to miss hopefully speaking with mr jimmy c gardner 
who is a victim of modern day slavery and human trafficking, wrongful conviction, wrongful accusation, derailed a, a young man with a bright future ahead of him by derailed his life by putting him into slavery, through prison slavery, something that we've been talking about and consistently telling people that slavery was never abolished and we need to just really chew on those words and think about it seriously that we're saying in the 21st century slavery, we're bringing on a victim of slavery. Because what else do you call somebody who has decades of their life stolen from them and wrongfully convicted, you know? And then even the laws that they passed, like the drug war laws that netted people 20, 30 years, it's probably people still in prison. I know there's people still in prison from the Clinton administration from those years. And the, what was that, the omnibus bill that Joe Biden, oh man, it's no difference between a Democrat and a Republican. When it comes to abolitionism, they seem to practice not seem to the evidence would show they're both both parties are okay with the practice of slavery in this country via the thirteenth amendment so we we will be speaking to mr Gardner um I talked about it earlier on air today for those who was uh listening to Tanya free and friends talk show as we were broadcasting after they went off air but this was a uh he uh, mr Gardner, promising student at Tampa Bay Vocational Technical High School. And shout out to Sister Michelle Williams who turned me on to this brother because she has been a longtime activist in that area. She's been a guest on the program and, and she turned me on to Mr. Gardner's story and, and I just looked up what was available and he does very well in telling his own story and I definitely wanted to invite him on to to get his narrative documented on New Abolitionist Radio, probably the world's largest depository of modern slavery abolitionism media. But get him documented and his story told on our broadcast. So, you know, um, typical story that we report on on New Abolitionist Radio. Oh, by the way, we'll still be doing our regular segments, but we are switching it up. Now, when, once I'm able to speak with Max, we Max, we might have to put a poll out there because I, I want to change the feature that usually comes at the end of the program, and it'll still come at the end of the program, but tonight it's going to be at the beginning. And y'all know we call it the Underground Railroad where the Innocence Projects or other lawyers and law firms and and individuals and their families fight their way through the court system. And that's, I want to rename that to the above ground because that's all above ground. That's happening in the public. That's happening in the courts. And underground would be like how Asada Shakur, someone like that, was able to uh, escape slavery in the United States back in, in the 60s. That was an underground railroad. You know, back back in 1865, where people were risking their lives and what have you, but you know, not to not to diminish any avenue by which someone um, 
obtains their freedom. But I want to, I'm going to put it up um, to Max to change that to the above ground. That's the above ground railroad. This is people putting in work, putting in work. May not be getting recognized for it, but getting people free from modern day slavery and human trafficking. Of course, we've changed the numbers. The We have one telephone number now, but all the, all the um, features work the same. Our new number is 704-802-5056. That's 704-802-5056. Hit star, star to unmute yourself. Uh, I will. You can also call in by uh, uberconference.com slash Black Talk Radio Network. Call in with your phone or if you have the Uber Conference app on your smartphone, there's an app for that. Because we have a lot of people that, that listen to a lot of minutes via the phone in, in various ways. And we certainly appreciate uh, all our listeners, no matter how they tune in. So I don't see Max on the board. Max knows how to work the mic by hitting star star to unmute himself. Uh, also, we have chat at uberconference.com slash Black Talk Radio Network. Shout out and salute to Otis Abolitionist, 21st Century abolitionist so let me um, ask if our guest is on the line Mr. Gardner to hit star star if he's on the board I'm going to pull up his number and see if I see it on the board I think we have this is it Um, Mr. Jimmy Gardner do we have you on the line sir Yes, this is Jimmy Gardner. Greetings to you. How you doing? I'm doing the best that I can, sir. And yes, I'm sir. Bl- and it's I'm blessed. Good. And I'm blessed and highly favored. And there are people doing a lot worse than me, like those who are suffering the nightmare of modern day slavery, like you suffered for um, a crime, no doubt that they name a heinous crime, but you didn't do it, and you lost so many years yes, of your sir. life. So I consider you a, a, a modern victim of modern slavery. And, we're Thank go- you. and we want to welcome you to freedom. So you're like our above ground <laughs> railroad to freedom because we do a feature on every program of somebody who was wrongfully convicted, whether it was freed by DNA, whether, like in your case, it's proven that the that, uh, so-called forensic experts and others, because we had a problem with that here in North Carolina um, with, Dwayne, okay. with Dwayne Deaver. And this guy was like, he had a degree in zoology. And he was like, the example the news media used was like, you know how somebody drops a McDonald's ketchup packet and you got ketchup in the in the carpet and all that. And he's classifying right. that as blood, using that as blood evidence right. and was getting away with it for, mm-hmm. for a long time. In your case, it's, it's, it's similar. And, but, you right. know, not that any, every victim's life is valuable because who knows, especially when, with them going in so, so young. But every every victim's life is valuable, and who knows what somebody could aspire to be, if not for um, this system that is the world's largest yeah. system of prisoners in the world, and profiting from different all different kind of ways. So so, yeah. but you 
actually had a, a opportunity. You were going to college. Uh, you had been playing semi-pro for, I believe, the Chicago Cubs. And I played I played minor league baseball with the Chicago Cubs for four four seasons. For four in the, seasons in the, in the minor league system, yes. And you was going to going to school for business yes. management, you know. Um, yes. So you were definitely being productive. Seems like you had a plan until those plans got derailed. So wherever you want to start, sir, and introduce yourself to an audience mm-hmm. of abolitionists here in this twenty first century. Okay, I, I'd like to just start off by thanking you for having me on the show. And it's my honor to be here. And I want to give praise to God, first and foremost, for enabling me to also be a part of this this wonderful opportunity. And with that, I want to begin by letting the audience know I thank the audience for for their part in tuning in. Because what I have, my story is not just my story. It's for everybody. It's not mine to keep. It's mine to give away. You know, I, I I learned a long time ago that I'm a servant and um, a servant of God, and it's my duty to put back out all all of my my past life experiences, perceived negative and positive. You know, and I believe I do that in hopes of giving some individuals out there inspiration, motivation, and a will to live. So, with that said, um, I want to. Start by telling you my name is Jimmy Gardner. That's J-I-M-M-I-E Gardner, G-A-R-D-N-E-R. I am from Tampa, Florida. I was born in Dawson, Georgia. Left Dawson, Georgia at the age of two and was raised in Tampa up until uh, I went away. And, um, you know, I was fortunate to go through the Hillsborough County School System. I, I graduated from uh, Tampa Bay Vocational Technical High School. And like we know, uh, I was drafted by the Chicago Cubs to play baseball, and I was a pitcher. And, you know, had a pursuing career, and, you know, things things happened that I had no control over. You know, I went through an ordeal where I adamantly expressed my, my innocence, let individuals know I, I didn't commit the crime. And, you know, things just bloomed from that point for the negative. But... uh. I want to let your audience know that, you know, in the summer of 1987 is when the crimes that I was convicted upon actually occurred. But I I didn't actually get charged with the crimes until 1989. And I went to trial in 1990. And those charges were uh, a robbery, sexual assault, burglary, assault during the commission of a felony. And they were two separate, two separate uh, charges on two separate women. And I went to trial on both women. Um, totaling nine counts, but um, I actually was acquitted on the on one woman. I was actually acquitted, and I found was found guilty on another. And uh, being found guilty on on the other case, I was sentenced to 110 years. And at that time, um, I know I always tell people how the judge asked me before sentencing if it was anything I'd like to say to the court, and it was at that time that I. You know, let the judge and let the court know that, you know, uh, the judge should be wearing the white robe, white hat, all that type of stuff. I, I kind of was in my feelings and I told him about what I, what I felt. And the judge said he gave him, gave him the pleasure to give me the maximum sentence possible. And that was a 110 year sentence. I, uh, 
I let the court know at that time that I'll be back. And I stated in the courtroom, I'll be back. This is not over. And that's something that, uh, you know, I regret that also because the court actually never let me get back into a position of having a habeas corpus. I never had a habeas corpus in state court. I never had uh, an opportunity to have a ruling in state court. And that's, that's not the norm in the judicial process. The norm is, you know, individuals, all prisoners are able to have a habeas corpus and be able to, to go in and litigate their case and have their petitions filed uh, to see if they want any relief for a number of constitutional violations that may have occurred at their trial. You know, that's, that's just something I, I never got the opportunity to present in state court. And uh, I went through a period of 23 years in state court without an actual ruling or an opportunity to uh, to basically prove my innocence. But within that 23 years, you know, the guy by the name of Fred Zane, who was a forensic expert and a West Virginia trooper at the time of, that the crimes occurred, uh, he actually went to trial on my case for knowingly testifying falsely and presenting false evidence. And they also charged him with obstruction, an obstruction charge and a perjury charge. But um, those charges uh, basically became deadlocked. He went to trial September 11, 2001. And that's what we know as 9-11. But it was a mistrial, so basically he, he had the mistrial. He died before they can retry him. He died in, I, think, I believe, February of 2002. So at that point, my case just lingered throughout the court system. You know, which is unfortunate to say the least. Now, just but, so we're you know, clear, Mr. Her... Gardner, Mr. Gardner, just so we're clear. Yeah. Now, you're incarcerated this entire time, correct? Yes, I, I was incarcerated for twenty, almost twenty-seven years. Okay, while well, all this is going on, all right. Please continue, sir. Okay. Yeah, uh, like I was saying, you know, throughout throughout the process of you know years and decades going by, you know, I, I stayed diligent in my fight to uh to get release and to just be heard, you know, and to get an order in my case to some degree. And my diligence, you know, and ultimately in the end it paid off. But uh, you know, I I filed I filed letters to lawyers, ACLU, different innocence projects throughout the United States and even in Germany and Canada. I filed uh letters to to the President Obama. I filed I filed letters to to uh, just all type of judicial processes. I filed all type of judicial ethics complaints and lawyer disciplinary uh, complaints. You know, I went through 13 attorneys in the period of uh, 23 years, and neither attorney, no attorney in state court ever filed a habeas corpus on my behalf. And for those viewers that, viewers that don't know what a habeas corpus is, it's a petition that, that every prisoner has a, has a right to file in order to seek relief based upon uh, a constitutional violation or some type of uh, violation of due process or whatever you may have that may have occurred at their trial or any new evidence or ineffective assistance of counsel that they might, may want to bring to the court on behalf of on behalf of pleading their innocence or that individuals were given you know too much time disparity in sentences whatever it may be you know just just a process that uh, every prisoner goes through in order to try to gain relief requested. And none of these lawyers filed that for you? 
Excuse me. None of the 13 lawyers filed that for you. So either there is a conspiracy no. there, or pat, a pattern there, well, or a lot of incompetence. What? What was it? A mixture? What was going on there? I mean, it's it's a it was probably a mixture of all. You know, I I can't prove the entire conspiracy, but I I, I do say it was a conspiracy because it's more than one individual that that uh, had the opportunity to deal with my case and. You know, things just didn't materialize throughout the years. But the same evidence that I was released on on April 1st, 2016, you know, I, I had that evidence since 1993. Yeah, since December of 1993, along with other testing that, that occurred. But I had the same evidence. I just never got an opportunity to be heard in court. So, you know, I, that's why I, I just tell people my experience and let them know that you just don't give up. You continue to, to to fight and continue to stay diligent in, in your process. You know when you when you're involved in a situation, you know you're not guilty. You're fighting for your life. You're fighting for your liberty. You know you, there's no other option but to get up every day and and uh, focus on on what's at hand. You know, getting to the law library, putting yourself in a position to continue to gain knowledge. You know, getting your education, continue to stay healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually. You know what I went through. You know, I want everybody to know. I, I mean, that ordeal I went through was nothing I would wish on anybody. But I believe God prepared me for what I went through. And and throughout that ordeal, I know I, I, came, I became a stronger man and, and, a, and a, a better person. In the beginning, I had, uh, I had you know, hatred. I, was, I had rage in the beginning. I, I spent my first few years on lockup for getting an incident, you know, fighting this and that, you know, whatever you may have me. But, uh, you know, I was in a mode to protect myself at all costs. And um, I uh, learned throughout the years that I had to channel that energy. <clears throat> I had to channel that energy into a positive, a positive, peaceful place. So, you know, that's when I, I really started reading and I placed myself in positions to start reading all the, all the books on, on um, meditating, uh, I studied all the various religions. I studied Islam. I studied Catholicism, Hinduism, Buddhism. I studied Rastafarianism. I studied the, the Bhagavad Gita. You know, I, I was reading everything on every faith that I could. Judaism, and I wanted to be able to, to just be versed in all areas when I meet someone from a very uh, uh, an opposite faith. But you know, I'm a strong believer in God, and I, and I just I tell everyone that I came through my ordeal only but by the grace of God. So yeah, I give man. everyone respect in whatever faith that they choose to, to walk in. But, uh, you know, I, I just, I like speaking on, on this topic on matters involving my incarceration because it's a litany of things that, that enable me to come out the individual that I am. You know, and I never gave up hope. I never gave up faith. And every year that turned, turned a new leaf, I watched that ball drop in New York every year and I'd ask God and I'd pray and ask God let this be my year home I did that for 20 plus years and uh, I never gave up hope but finally in April 1st 2016 I came home and I had all charges dismissed with prejudice on September 7th 2016 but from April 1st 2016 to September 7th I was pre preparing for trial I was getting ready to be retried uh, by the prosecuting attorney's office of, at Kanawha County in uh, Charleston, West Virginia. And, you know, I was going to be retried with that same false evidence. 
evidence but, that uh, they knew I was never, false. I never wavered, not one moment. Evidence oh, that yeah, they the evidence. Ev- evidence at that point Sorry. they were trying the evidence that they were trying to bring at the new trial in West Virginia was evidence that had already been proven to be false. Yes. And they still yes. was going to try to use yes. it anyway. Oh man. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean it's you know it's it's unfortunate, and I use that as light a light word. Unfortunate, you know, it's not good. But uh, you know, I I just uh I knew in my heart that I I, I was not going back into that prison, and I was going to be, be in a position where I fought for my liberty, and um, God willing, I, I came out victorious. I have a couple you know, of questions. I, I just, and if yeah, you if, if you don't mind, because uh, we probably got about fifteen more minutes left. For your segment, yeah. if we can take some calls. Okay. Uh, if anyone yeah. in the listening audience has any questions or, or comments for our guests tonight, Mr. Jimmy Gardner, victim of slavery, modern victim of slavery, I have a couple of questions for him, and then we'll uh, take a call. Um, please and please always watch your background noise, uh, 704-802. 5056 is our number, 704-802-5056. Mr. Gardner, um, my question is, you know, you were mentioning about how you were reading everything, um, you know, reading the different religions and studying, but also the law. Mm -hmm. Um, And we know about jailhouse jailhouse lawyers. Shout out to the jailhouse lawyers out there. So Mm -hmm. let me ask you... um, because we have contacts that are part of the abolitionist movement who are on the inside. Over the years since we've been on air, from time to time, they will call in on, on however they get, can call in. Or they'll get a, a recording out to a family member or whatnot, and we'll play it on the air. So we've been doing this for, since I said, 2012. So... You you were you were uh, actively being enslaved via the Thirteenth Amendment up until 2016. Did you, did the Thirteenth Amendment ever come up? The slavery exception clause of the Thirteenth Amendment did that ever come up? And had and the second question is: Did you ever hear of the abolitionist movement? Um, the abolitionist movement, you know, the modern, the new abolitionist movement, I should say, because, you know, prisoners supported our march on Washington, D.C. and rally we had in Lafayette Park right across from the White House that victims of slavery, slavery built. So those are, so let me just back up. Did, did, I was at, I was did the 13th, oh, you were? Hey, I probably shook yeah, your hand. I probably shook your hand. I probably, I was yeah, the I guy spoke. that was engineering all the audio. I spoke, I spoke at that march. Yeah. Okay. I had the opportunity to speak at that march. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I was there engineering uh, all the audio mm-hmm. and broadcasting it on this very network. So, wow, small yeah. world, small world. I met, I met some powerful sisters and brothers, man. Right. And, uh, it, you it, know, was a, it was a great. All the brothers and sisters that went through the struggle. It was a great you know, turnout. I, and yeah, no doubt. Great turnout. It was, but, but, it was what? I said it was a great turnout of the abolitionists. Um, or that was a historic no day in my mind. But, but Mr. Sure. Gardner, sure. you know, were are were the prisoners talking about the thirteenth while you were in the ones that the prisoners that you were around, the victims of slavery that you were around? Did they ever look at it as slavery via the thirteenth amendment? 
Well, I, I, I personally, <clears throat> I personally filed my petition, and you know, I I made reference that you know I was being enslaved, and you know, I applied the Thirteenth Amendment. I, I applied, I, I, I applied various constitutional amendments, you know, to my uh, petitions, you know, undoubtedly for the Fourteenth. But uh, I, I, uh, I would always, <clears throat> and undoubtedly the Eighth, you know. <clears throat> But I would always, I would always talk to individuals. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was in, I was in West Virginia, and um, the black to white ratio is uh, only two percent in West Virginia prison system. It's like ninety-eight percent white and two percent black. And you know that's that's the place I was in. It was a total culture shock for me. And you know I I went through a transition. You know you had your, your the Aryan Brotherhood, you had the skinheads, the clan, you had a whole lot of different gang, motorcycle gangs, this and that there. And, you know, I wasn't real familiar with being around that type of stuff. You know, like I said, I'm from Tampa, Florida, <clears throat> and I hadn't really witnessed a lot of skinhead and Aryan Brotherhood, A.B. But uh, ironically, you know, uh, the individual, my first couple years on lockup actually taught me how to 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 basically decipher and, and learn the law. You know, uh, an Aryan Brotherhood guy. You know, he taught me how to shepherdize, taught me how to, <laughs> to really go in and discern from petitions and uh, from, from various rulings. And, uh, you know, just this kind of gave me a lot of insight, you know, and I'm, I'm appreciative of that. But, uh, you know, like I say, it, it, was, it was not a lot of brothers there, and there's only a handful of conscious brothers that was there you know we 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 may have had out of a hundred out of a hundred hundred twenty brothers you might have had twenty of them probably was actually conscious brothers you know and that's you know those twenty twenty to forty those they were strong brothers but um you know it's, it was just a different different diagram different different background it's a whole nother way of life for those individuals from up that way um, i'm I'm deep south and you know I had different life experiences. And, you know, I had some dudes from New York, Jersey, Chicago, uh, the Carolinas, dudes from Detroit, you know, dudes from all over in the system in West Virginia. And we kind of bonded, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, the whole nine. But, uh, you know, I just, I just let individuals know, man, that, you know, my, 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 my position was I'm fighting for my life. I'm fighting for my liberty. And, uh, I tried to gain all knowledge in all areas I could and learn the law was definitely one area that I had to, I had to learn. I had to become versed in. I had to, I had to get that. So I had to keep myself in, in good standing within the institution where I didn't go to lock up a lot. I couldn't put myself in positions where I made, you know, moves that would, would jeopardize or, or put me in a bad position to do my legal work or, you know, just jeopardize my, my existence. I understand. You know, so, I mean, it's um, a, we, a thorough process, man. We have a couple of callers on the board. Uh, <clears> one <throat> of them might be our co-host, but let's go to the first caller on the board, 662. 662, thank you for calling in the New Abolitionist Radio. You're on with with our special guest, Mr. Jimmy Gardner, victim of slavery. Go ahead with your question. Uh, give us your name. Six, six. Please, you ask for, uh, Scott. I didn't hear. Yes. Uh, thank you for calling in. I hear you. Area code 662. That's you. 
Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, uh, I have several questions. How you doing, sir? Hey, how you uh, doing tonight, brother? Okay, uh, yeah, I have a question <clears throat> if you don't mind me asking. Was these um, black women or white women that falsely accuse you? you well, the women, the women actually didn't accuse me. That the women actually said that I wasn't the guy when I oh. went through the depositions and all that. And then I had one one woman testify at trial when I was at, when when the prosecution asked them, "Do you see your attacker in the courtroom? Isn't Jimmy Gardner your attacker?" I was the only black man in the courtroom at the time. And the woman shook her head and said, "I can't say that. I'm not sure." She said, "I just can't say that. I'm not sure." So, but but police reports that they had done, you know, they were looking for a, a black, well, a light skinned African American that was about six foot tall. And you know, I'm I'm jet black and I'm like six three. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and I mean that was a stark contrast from from the description of the assailant. But the women, you know, I, I tell people the women never identified me. In fact, the one one victim said three times that I wasn't the guy because I was this, my nose was this way, I was too this, too that, facial facial description was wrong. I mean, so, so this, this was the prosecution's position to move forward, and along with evidence that had changed. You know, first I had thumbprint in the case. It was a thumbprint at the crime scene. Then it became my left middle fingerprint in blood. It was one print, then it became two prints. You know, I mean, it, that's what tied me to the crime. And then you had the forensic work, the, the DNA and the serology work being done by a guy that was falsifying the DNA reports and the serology reports and giving his own rendition of, 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 the, of the perceived facts, which were, were undoubtedly weren't the facts, but those were his findings. You know, this guy, Fred Zane. But, you know, it's just a litany of things that occurred that uh, ultimately resulted in one of the most unfair trials <laughs> ever. Yeah, yeah my, but, my, but the, my next question is, did they, or the state, for they wrongdoing? Because often they do these things and get away with it. And the uh, officer that was involved, as we call him slave catcher, was they ever held accountable and, and, and reinstated you as far as your retribution? Well, Fred Zane died in 2002, I believe February 2002. And uh, okay. the prosecution and, and, the, and the judge in the case, they have uh, immunity. They have, uh, I believe, I believe underqualified immunity. But, uh, so the state you know, held accountable as far as retribution and reinstating you for the labor that you gave them pretty much free? Well, yeah. I, I mean, my 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 law team we're we're, we're okay. uh, litigating right now. We got civil civil litigation going on right now, but so we're trying to, uh, you know, we're trying to to make me whole in some type of way. Right. You know, West Virginia they have they have a cap of one million dollars, and and um, you know, we're challenging and trying to see what we can do in that aspect. But uh, you know, that's yeah. that's neither here nor there. We, we we're fighting for yeah the best the best the best. Thing that we can get, my lawyers are fighting for the best that they can get on my behalf. And like I, I said, you know, West Virginia is a, a very poor state, and you know, it's it's just not it's not a a good look right now. You know? I I, I uh, spent uh, in '94 a little time in Ohio in prison, and I met several brothers, and that was my first experience being incarcerated at that level. Mm -hmm. I met several brothers that have been victimized with rape and 
many of them would say I'm not guilty, and they would say it. Yeah. Some of them, I met one, yeah. he used to tell me that he was a trustee, <clears throat> and he would uh, mm-hmm. conversate dialogue with me from time to time. Right. And he lived in okay. Cleveland, and I finally got yeah. my months, nine months, and went home. And do you know, I looked okay. up one day, he's on the news where they had released him. And, and and had incarcerated him for like 25 years of his life. And I was like, this man was actually innocent. And that's when I became aware of how they do lock us up with little or uh, no yeah, evidence. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for yeah. uh, allowing me to ask you those questions. And thank, thank no, you, no, Radio no, thank, you. thank you. You have a good night. Thank you. Likewise. All right, let's go to 803, 803. I'm hoping that's uh, Max Parthas on the line, but it could be any of our abolitionists in the South Carolina area. But 803, your mic is open. Who do we have on the line? Peace, Brother Scotty. Peace, Jimmy. This is Max Parthas. Hey, uh, how you doing, Max? I'm all right, brother. Forgive me for being late. As Scotty said earlier, uh, we were going through some uh, upheavals ourselves, and we just got our apartment the day before yesterday. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to get the internet on, still getting furniture in. I've been moving and stuff like that, so it's been busy. My apologies. Um, I was listening to the phone call, and uh, I had a couple questions that I would like to ask you. So Scotty keeps uh, Mm -hmm. talking about the abolitionist movement. Uh, The reason we talk about that a lot is because we feel like that's the answer to this whole situation. When we start looking at it, what they're doing as a a crime against humanity, as something that's Mm -hmm. legal, all across the globe, it will give us more leverage in ending it. And, you know, they care so little about brothers and sisters like you. They'll put you through that whole meat grinder, and in every aspect of that whole 24 years of trials that you were trying to get, that DA was getting Mm -hmm. a paycheck. He was getting paid for it. And and, and every part of that prison system is taking a piece of your soul and turning it into somebody's paycheck from the guards and on and on. on. And they don't care if you're innocent or guilty as long as you're in the bed, you know? Uh, I really feel for you that you were in a situation which was the exact opposite what most people have to deal with. You were in a facility where it was 98% white, you know? Like, you could have the life dealing with those types of characters, you know? And instead, one of the awesome. And let's say you finally get out of there. So that's that's the guy right there. That's beautiful, man. Um, Oh, yeah, all praise to God. Hey, Max, and, and people on, on the line, I'm sorry, Max, give me just a second. Uh, something funny was going on with your, your microphone, Max. It would go in and it go out, so I, I don't know if, if if you could hold it still. Uh, I don't know what you're working with. And if anybody that calls in or any other callers is on the line, please watch your background noise. Help us preserve the uh, audio quality of the broadcasting on Black Talk Radio Network. Thank you. Continue, Max. Uh, I'll try to keep it even. I'm using my cell phone, and you know I'm in the middle of where and something. So you in South Carolina? I'll yeah, be speaking I'm, in. I'm um, a- I'll be speaking in Charleston, South Carolina, Saturday, Saturday evening for the uh, Second Chance Kids organization. Wow. Give me mm-hmm. the information. It's about an hour and a half from where I'm at right now. A place called Somerville, or. Something like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not too far from Charleston, South Carolina. 
Okay. But yeah, it's a little place called Somerville, right outside. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Leave the information before you go, and uh, I'll see if I can make it down to take a, and visit you. Uh, it'd be the no second doubt. time because, like you, I spoke at the March as well. So uh, it's nice to hear yeah. your voice. And uh, my question is no this: the question is, why you were incarcerated uh, under the Thirteenth Amendment uh, slavery? Mm -hmm where they're making all this money out of your body. Did they employ you in any jobs, whether it be just sweeping floors or working in a factory built into the prison or anything like that? Yeah, I worked in I worked in prison industries. I worked in the in the library. I worked as a teacher's aide. I worked on the yard. I worked in the in the dorm. I worked on the pod. I worked in the in the in the uh laundry. I've I've man, I did uh I did a number of jobs. I stayed working the whole time. You know, I, I, I preach being, I stay, I, I stay on my grind as far as uh, staying active. And, you know, fortunately where I was at, you know, we got paid like $50 a month if you work. <clears throat> so I worked for like $50 a month as a teacher's aide in the law library as a, a legal aide, you know, representative. I worked on the yard. Like I said, the yard, I worked in the gym, gymnasium at times. I, I just, I worked all over, man. Wherever there was a job, I worked. You know, I, I I did the floors, I mopped floors, I buffed floors, I, you know, <laughs> I did the windows. Yeah, I did everything um, that uh that kept me busy. And, you know, I tried to learn everything I could, you know, in different classes, you know, earning degrees, college, uh, earning vocations. You know, I just tried to stay busy, man, because, you know, idle time is the devil's workshop. So I just stayed busy uh, just, just doing stuff, working. One other question I had was, did you stay in the same facility? <clears throat> they move you from facility to facility, or well, did you get switched from state to state? No, not state to state, but for the first 20, probably first uh, 23 years, first 23, 20, I'll say 23, 24 years, I was in uh, Maximum. I was at the Maximum Security Jump. Then uh, I went to Huddensville Correctional. I went to uh, Northern Correctional. And I went to, uh, let me see, it was another spot. I went to, to, the, to the regional jail, northern regional jail. I went to south central regional jail. I went to a few few different spots, and I, and I ended up back at uh, Mount Olive Correctional Complex in, uh, in Mount Olive, West Virginia. So I went to about four different spots. I have one final question, and I'll pass back to Scotty. Uh, that question is this. Oh, you're breaking up. I can't hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, yes, I from, hear you. From what we understand, you were innocent from day one, right? You went through this whole yes. ordeal, including maximum security prison and being in with yes. these uh, white racist supremacists as an innocent yes. man. Is there anything mm -hmm. that could have done differently at the initial onset that would have changed anything? Because, you know, people always no. say... There's something different. I wasn't pleading but, guilty. Well, like, I wasn't gonna no, plead guilty to something I I didn't do, so I didn't plead guilty. So I wouldn't change that. Uh, the only thing I would change, I, I wouldn't have went, I wouldn't have told the judge that he was a uh, racist Klansman. You know, he had on the wrong robe, and I would have I wouldn't have told me that he should have had a white robe. On oh the white man, hood. I would have held back you on that. The truth, you know, no. and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have said that because uh, I said that before sentencing. And yeah, you'd have been 110 years. Wow. But but really. I said that, but really, um, you know, no number wow. of years made a difference because I was I was fighting for my life. He could have said a million years; it wouldn't have made me no difference. 
you know, I just I just knew I was in in the fight. Did you really and, tell the you know, judge but, he had on the wrong rope <laughs> for real? Uh, oh yeah. I, I mean yeah, I get what I, you said. You know, I strongly I strongly yeah. recommend to, 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 to my listening audience to never do nothing like that. Yeah, that's not you know, I was in my feelings. I was in my feelings and right. you know, always think before you act or react. Right. Don't act on emotion because most of the time, majority of the time you do, it's gonna come out with a negative outcome. They'll so, use you know, it I, against I strongly you. recommend to the yeah. audience, don't do that. I did it, learn from me and don't do it. But you know you was telling the truth though, right? I mean, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. <laughs> hey, but, you know, that's the time and place. We got another, time and place right, for everything. Right, exactly. But for our <laughs> listeners out there, we know. I mean, we still got courthouses <clears throat> with Confederate monuments, you know, right on the courthouse, right mm-hmm. there within feet of the front door. So, you know, I live in the South, too, down here in North Carolina, so I know about that good that good old boy network through there. But chances are he mm-hmm. probably did uh, change change out uh, robes at night. Um, but we have a, a call <laughs> calling back from uh, Eric Cole, 662 Go ahead. Um, okay. You're on new abolitionist yes, radio. Sir. This will be our last question. Yes, and we, we're going to let our guests. I just want to thank go. you, Scotty, for having this flow, Matt, for us to be able to tune into this because there's a lot of us as brothers and sisters is unaware of this system, how they are incarcerating us in such a <clears> massive way because their reasons and thinking is that they had to have done something. And a lot of us still mm-hmm. think like, and brother, I leave you with this thought. I'm glad you overcame, yeah. but they meant for evil, and hopefully oh, God sure. will bring this to good. Some good will come oh, out of this, what they sure. meant for evil. So I leave you with that, sure. and, and I'm sure something in the making for you in the future that will make oh, you mean, much better man and stronger man in person in the future, and maybe you can move a lot of people you know, away from it. But thank you, know, you I, I and think- thank you, God. No doubt. Thank you, man. But Thank I, I want the audience to know I, I speak and share my, my story, my experience, man, in hopes of inspiring people and giving people the, uh, as giving you the, giving people the, 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 the courage to take on the next day, man. Never give up, never quit, never give in, never say die. You know, my position is, man, you know, we're, we're black kings and queens, man. And, um, uh, and, you know, we was built for, 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 for the struggle, man. We we go through the struggle, man, because we know throughout the struggle we we grow and become even sharper, even wiser, you know. And and I can say that, you know, my struggle, what I went through, you know, it has enabled me to be the man that I am today, and I and I, I thank God for that. But you know, I want people to know that, uh, you know, I'm blessed beyond beyond measure. You know, I have my own LLC, JC Gardner Speak. You know, that's my LLC. I have my nonprofit. You know, a home I started called the Gardner House Incorporated. That's for returning citizens in West Virginia, giving giving men opportunities to to get housing, shelter, clothes, food, and uh and get themselves in a situation within the first six to eight months to to, to uh reintegrate back into society. But you know, I I've been fortunate and very very blessed to to just be a part of a number of organizations that are that are out there to help and 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 bring light to injustice and um. And shed light on all types of inequalities and oppressions that are going on throughout the, the, the judicial process, you know. So, so I, I I use my voice and my experience, man, in hopes of making a positive change, you know. And I and, and I just want everybody to know, man, you know, just keep the faith, remain humble, keep the faith, and keep doing what you do, you know. And that's striving in a good direction. 
that's more. why you know I, I do my best to give back at all times. Thank you, Mr. Gardner. If we can get in one more call, mm-hmm. Otis, real quick, if you want to be quick as we get ready to let Mr. Gardner retire for the evening. Otis, did you have a quick question that you wanted to ask? Unmute yourself. Okay, I, I guess not. Well, I, I want to thank you again, Mr. Gardner. Um, and I apologize no, no, no. for not recognizing you. There's Otis. Okay, go ahead, Otis, with your question from Mr. Gardner. Uh, I, I was going to ask him quickly if I heard. I can't hear you. You, you just just faded out on me. Oh, I said you said 13. Hey, Otis, try, yeah, Otis, try backing off you your, your microphone. It's probably too close to your mouth. And it's just uh, overloading that audio. That's what it sounds like to me. But, um, Otis, you want to try again? Okay. Go ahead, Otis. Can you hear me now? Yes, I hear you. Okay. Uh, I was going to ask him quickly. He said 13. Could speak quickly on when did he find. And his point to to move, yeah, yo, it, move your, on to something. Your internet's not that good, Otis. So uh, I'm sorry. It's just really, t- you know, terrible audio. He can't understand that. Perhaps if you could type it in the chat room real quick. But um, yes, Mr. Gardner, I again apologize. Um, there were a number yeah. of speakers in Washington D.C. August. You know, yeah. nineteen for what well, I feel like from my studying and research, and you certainly had more time to focus on reading and, and, and writing than I did than most people. Um, so, so what do you think about the historic significance of the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March as an abolitionist event on this side of the Civil War? Just, just what are your thoughts on that? I mean. I mean, I thought I thought the event was uh was well planned. It was it was a uh, it was a lot of positive brothers and sisters out there, you know, that, that had been through the struggle, and we had the opportunity, we had a meeting to to voice our opinions and let the world know about the oppressions that we and others like us are are, are still incurring in 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 the judicial process throughout the United States. You know, I I spoke with a friend of mine that also done, did uh 17 years inside of West Virginia prison system. Named by the name of Mark Hubble, you know we we uh we actually spoke at the same time, and you know I listened to just a litany of of, of other wonderful speakers share their stories and experiences, and um you know I believe it it was a, a worthy cause, and you know I supported it, and, and God willing we'll, we'll be able to do something in the future to continue to uh, to present this this uh, message to the people and let individuals know you know this is going on, this is ongoing in the United States of America. You know, and, and, and what we need to do as a people is become aware and, and just uh, try to try to find solutions, solutions to the problems and, and put ourselves in positions to be advocates and uh, provide services that, that are going to just highlight all of the injustice that we speak about. One last yeah, question, I mean, I'm, Mr. I'm all for it. One last question. I promise you this is the last question. Uh, right now, Black Talk Radio is conducting a poll to gauge public opinion on prison slavery exploitation films. These are popular TV shows, reality TV shows, 
Uh, some of them are being passed off as documentaries where they're using real prisoners, and we feel I um, a number of us abolitionists feel like that's a prisoner exploitation film, exploiting their human rights. They're not being paid. That's no different than them using firefighters to fight wildfires in mm-hmm. in California and pay them two dollars a day as slave wages. This is a violation of their human, and it's hundreds of millions of dollars uh, with corporations advertising on MSNBC. I mean, these are big money makers, and so would you support? Would you support, we're not calling for one right now, we're just trying to gauge public support, but would you support a boycott slash ban of prisoner exploitation films like Lock Up and and others in that genre of entertainment? I mean, I would would have to become more informed with with the entire process before I say I support or, 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 uh, or not. You know, maybe my, I, my maybe I'm is, not explaining myself. Is, maybe it's let me. me. Let me say, let me say yeah. what I'm saying. Okay. Let me, let me say what I'm saying. Yeah, my thing is, you know, the media is a powerful tool today, and you know we need we need things to be highlighted. If it's if it's situations where individuals that are incarcerated are having having um their injustices and, and their constitutional rights shown that they're being violated, man, through TV, media, whatever, radio, this and that, that we have an opportunity to get them guys some help via this media, you know, because more more people are, are being highlighted, more cases are being highlighted because of this. You know, undoubtedly, there, there's that exploitation aspect that's going on. And you got individuals out there that are going to partake in it because they're looking to, to probably get their cases identified or get some type of notoriety or or awareness on their situation, but then some individuals just ain't got no consciousness, and they just in it for just for the heck of it, and they're being exploited because they're acting like a fool. But but but, but my position is, man, we want to be able to turn these these um these these opportunities where you have these these TV TV uh network programs, you know, talking about lock up and this and that. We want to turn these turn these organizations into into some mediums where they can actually be of of help to, to try to get the individual on the inside the necessary help that are needed, you know, if we can do that. If not, man, you know, I definitely don't don't support, you know, people getting out there and, and acting like fools and presenting themselves on, on TV as a as some type of monkey at the at the zoo. I don't I don't support that type of silliness. You know, well, but, uh, sir, we're not you know, blaming a lot we, of serious issues. Let me let me explain it this way, and you can check out our poll. Uh, all the listeners, check out our poll Black Talk, at Black Talk Radio on Twitter. Um, it's about five more days for the poll. Um, let me let me make the distinction. Uh, this is a news media program right here. We're using the media to do exactly what you talked about. Um, highlight these exactly. cases. Do, but that's exactly. not that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about four. Maybe I should have said for-profit films because that's what's in the poll, not documentaries that are for non-profit and the proceeds benefit the prisoners themselves or benefit prison advocacy programs like like the, getting the help when people get out of what they need. No, this is strictly going into the pockets of Hollywood producers and network bosses. It's paying for. For example, all of NBC's news program, Joanne Reed, uh, Al Sharpton's news show, because their news shows, they don't generate that much in advertisement revenue with shows like right. Lock Up. And from what I understand, 
lockup isn't like really highlighting wrongful convictions like yours. There's not too many Jimmy Gardner's being highlighted and featured. That's no, we're not mm-hmm. talking about if it's that type of media. Like, let's say the Innocence Project uh, said that they want to sponsor a weekly program to where they interview and they put this on TV. All the people that they get out of the Innocence Project probably get out a hundred or more. You always see their names out there, you know, and assisting mm-hmm. people, and they're not mm-hmm. the only ones. Now, if it's a show like that, right. that's great. That's wonderful. But this other stuff where it's basically showing the people as guilty, you know, because everybody in prison are not innocent little angels. You know what I'm saying? Right. There are people who commit real heinous know. acts and who are in there. And, and But it all becomes entertainment, Mr. Gardner, in our opinion. It kind of it kind of just like get you people to, you know, they're presenting the state side. They're not really presenting it right. from the victim side of slavery. So that's our issue with that. Okay. That's what, you know, but you are okay. right to make the distinction. Hey, if it's something that's showing where people are getting railroaded and, and it's teaching us yeah. how the system works. But no, we're talking about straight up, they're like, and you use the term zoo, and millions of people turn in, tune in to see the monkeys in the zoo on these shows. And, yeah. and so no yeah, that's what we're talking about, sir. Yeah. But I want to thank you for giving us uh, your time tonight and for being a strong my person, pleasure, bro. man, and being a modern-day abolitionist. And like you said, I hope there is another march and rally, and I hope to see you there. But, you know, maybe we'll meet before then. Max trying to hook up with you at your event uh, that you have coming up. No so doubt. before you leave, tell us again your event and how people can catch up with you. Okay, the event that I'll be uh, a part of this weekend will be in um, – Right outside of Charleston, South Carolina, and this event, this event is actually um, going to begin. Let me get the right time. The event is going to begin from uh, three o'clock p.m. to seven o'clock p.m. That's February third. Oh, that's February third, twenty eighteen, Saturday. And it's called King's Grant Clubhouse, and that's twenty two Farrington Drive, and that's in Somerville, South Carolina. That's, that again is Somerville, South Carolina, and and this is this is a an event that's that's being hosted for the Second Chance Kids out of South Carolina, and Miss uh, Patsy Gardner is uh, hosting the event, and and uh, I just want to tell individuals, man, uh, you know I will be speaking there on Saturday probably evening, and uh, if individuals can come out, come out, man, and support the cause and. And you know, listen to to my story along with uh, Doctor. Let me see what's his name, uh, Doctor Charles Steele Jr. He'll be also speaking. We we'll have a number of speakers, and you know, there'll be uh, there'll be there'll be guests. There'll be a lot of guests. There'll be a lot of food. There'll be a lot of clothes. I mean, drinks for individuals. You know, it's be a nice affair, man, and an opportunity for for people to come out and just witness witness uh, some good speaking and and and, and Individuals talking about their life experience, including myself, and uh, that will be Saturday, February third, from uh, three to seven, I believe. Yeah, but um, you know, uh, I, I encourage everyone to just you know stay grounded out there, stay grounded, keep your faith in God. At the end of the day, it's about you know you being humble, 
So I, you know, I, I always tell myself, stay humble, keep your faith in God, and just be thankful for health from a mental, physical, and spiritual standpoint. And remember, whatever you're going through, you know, you, you can make it out of there because God wouldn't allow you to go through it if you couldn't. So, uh, so they'll, so I, so I, I just tell people, man, that, you know, you know, just stay strong. Just stay strong and uh, stay prayed up, as, as one would say. I thank y'all for having me on the show tonight. And uh, sorry that it had to end so soon. It seemed like we just started. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you said two Barrington Drive, right? 22? Um, let me see it again. Let me, let me go back to it hey, again. Hey, Max, we'll, we'll get that info to it's, you. It's, 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 uh, 20, it's 222. 222. Barrington right. Drive, and that's in Somerville, South Carolina. Yeah, I got and the rest of that that's King Grant Clubhouse. King Grant Clubhouse. Yep. All right, I'll try to get down there and see you, brother. Thank you for sharing your story with us today. And I'll hear the rest of it on Saturday. Okay. And, and, and let me say one thing again. That's Second Chance Resource Center, Network United Incorporated. And that's for the Second Chance Kids out of Charleston, South Carolina. I thank you guys, and I thank you very much, brother. You have a great night. I you look too, forward to seeing you and Max uh, Saturday. All right. Peace, peace and blessings to you, Mr. Gardner. Same to you, bro. Peace to you, brother. May God bless you, bro. Y'all take care. All right. We are going to take a music break. Actually, changing it up a little bit on New Abolitionist Radio tonight again. Uh, Max is down in South Carolina just getting moved in. So I'm pretty much running tonight like BTR News. Dude got an important story that Max wanted to share. I made sure I pulled up that story. And um, there's some audio to it. But these Baltimore cops, man, were planting toy guns, carrying around toy guns to plant on people that they shot. So this is like a nationwide story. It's coming out of testimony because one of the corrupt cops trial, well, two of them are on trial right now, and you got testimony from some cops that have already pleaded guilty. All right, so keep it locked right here, Black Talk Radio Network. This is New Abolitionist Radio. If you have a question or comment, you can give us a call at 802, excuse me, that's 704-802-5056. That's 704-802-5056. And we're going to take a short music break and we'll be back on the other side. Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. 
Some say I get in too deep when I speak about it. You reap what your soul I doubt it. And these New York Times listening to the village voice. Killers and gangbangers killing. A killer's choice. I build the stand. The man I am true. Read about me in Amsterdam News. In this white man's world. Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network. We broadcast live every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern, shining a light, hopefully, on the fact that slavery was never abolished by the United States, and we all believe this 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 terrible lie, and they use media and so miseducation to get all these people believing uh, this lie. So that's what we talk about on this program. We just had a victim um, 
of slavery, of modern day slavery, and a new abolitionist, Mr. Jimmy Gardner, who just came on and gave his story. And I'm like him, I hope we do another Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March number two. The ultimate goal, though, is to get that slavery and involuntary exception clause removed from the 13th Amendment. So, definitely wanted to share that information. Um, little known fact about that track I just played. Again, that was Chuck D, the Grammy Award winning hip-hop artist. Master of Ceremony on that microphone. And that track right there came out in 2008. That was the year that Black Talk Radio Network and the Black Talk Media Project was born. Obviously, the nonprofit came first and then the platform. And the first time that track was ever heard was on Black Talk Radio because Cleo Jones used to have a radio program on this network, but we were on Blog Talk at the time. We and but that was the year 2008 when Black Talk Radio Network was born. That track came out with Chuck D on it, and it's an unreleased track, never been released to the public. So y'all just listening to some hip hop history right there. All right, Max wanted to highlight this egregious story, and we've been talking about this story for a while here on New Abolitionist Radio, and that's the story of the gang of cops of slave catchers in Baltimore. And we've been talking about Baltimore here recently, you know, with us trying to recruit the comedian Monique to become an abolitionist, and talking about Baltimore and her comments on Baltimore after the Baltimore uprising, and she's saying how she said uh, in that BET clip how they're taking all the resources out. Basically, I'm going to sum it up. She said intramural programs and rec centers, but um, basically saying that they're taking all the funding away from stuff to occupy children, to to help children with their social development, and they're pouring them into prison. Prison's a very true statement. Monique, why don't you just declare yourself publicly to be a new abolitionist if you know what's going on? We present the 13th Amendment to you. To me, if you read the 13th Amendment, you come to the conclusion that there is an exception clause for slavery and all these different industries and ways are being invented to make profit off of them. Either you are abolitionist or you support slavery. It's that simple for me as an abolitionist. Now, things get more complicated when I view myself as part of the black nation trapped behind the enemy lines of of USA Inc. But uh, when it comes to abolitionism, all that stuff go out the window. Either you for slavery or you against slavery. So we've been talking about this story out of Baltimore. And now two of them are these slave catchers that was robbing people. I'm going to see if I can get this audio uh, to play up. I made a clip of it. But I'm, I may be able to just play this audio. But two of these slave catchers who is playing like they're innocent and they're taking it to trial because there's always a chance that the slave catcher is going to find a jury to, uh, you know, ignore all the facts and vote not guilty, just like in the case with Philando Castile. It's either going to end up, they either going to acquit, acquit the slave catcher or it's going to be a hung jury, okay, like Slagers 
uh, Michael Slager, the one who gunned down Walter Scott in South Carolina, shot him on the back. Even with video, they still, it was a hung jury in the state case. He pled guilty to federal charges of violating Walter Scott's civil rights. And that's why he got 20 years in prison. But they, so I guess if I'm a slave catcher, I would go to trial and take my chances with with these programmed people who have been programmed to see these people as heroes and sheroes and like all they're doing is good. There may be some good people in that profession, but the profession is evil. So how do, how does that work? Now, if you're working from the inside to expose this stuff in a wiki WikiLeaks fashion, then hey, you could justify your continue continued participation in it. Otherwise, uh, I just can't find um, a plate of butter biscuits as justification of where the slave catches badge. But anyway, let me see if I can get this to play. Let this ad play because I got these uh, this blocker on. But so these six cops were robbing people, uh, take robbing them of their drugs. They were selling drugs. Um, there's a number of stories on this. Let me go to our thread in BTR community. Dot com and I did a Google Google search because uh, some of them are covering the toy aspect, some of them are not. And I hate to I hate to go to BET, but I'm gonna go to BET for the sake of time. I'm kind of boycotting BET, but uh, Baltimore cops accused of keeping BB guns to plant on suspects and robbing people of drugs and cash. Trial began for members of the Gun Trace Task Force indicted on racketeering charges. And this is a story that we have been keeping up with and reporting to you going back, I believe, 2016 is when these charges were were announced. Um, I was kind of skeptical of whether or not the charges would be dropped with with, um, Attorney General Jeff Sessions coming in and saying how, hey, we're not going to be prosecuting these cops and telling slave catchers how to do their slave catching jobs. He said the Justice Department was going to be hands off. And I, I felt, hey, that's sending a dangerous message to these slave catchers. So I'm surprised that even with the trial, it probably only with the trial because it's, it's quite a few of black slave catchers involved in this. So they was like, okay. We got we could blame it on the black dudes and put a black face on this crime and on this slave catching. So yeah, we only got a couple of whites. Yeah, we'll 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 prosecute that. So anyway, it says while investigating the overdose of a 19-year-old in Hartford County, authorities learned a crew within the task force engaged in corrupt activity. Just call it criminal activity. It, it, it was criminal, not corrupt. Corruption is a part of the criminality, but yeah, it's criminal activity they were engaged in. The investigation resulted in a federal indictment of eight officers. Okay, I was shortchanging them by two. So it was eight, not six, on racketeering charges. These are RICO charges, something we was telling you that these cops been doing ever since the Ferguson report came out after the Ferguson rebellion. It's in the archives. It's documented. There are plenty of lawyers out there, aspiring lawyers, abolitionists, DAs, that we, we have, hey, rec, go after them on RICO. 
Go after them on RICO. They've been using it against kids in North Carolina. Use it against the cops. So they were indicted, eight officers, on racketeering charges. And that was reported by the Baltimore Sun. On January the 23rd, trial began for detectives Daniel Hersey and Marcus Taylor, the two members of the task force who have pled not guilty. See, because at least two other ones uh, they played out. They took a plea deal, turned state's witness, and, and they're testifying now. Uh, Detective Maurice Ward, one of the officers who pled guilty, took the stand and detailed the behavior exhibited by himself and his co-defendants, according to the Baltimore Sun. Ward testified his crew supervisor, Sergeant Wayne Jenkins, instructed the officers to carry toy guns to plant if they found themselves in the bank, in a bind, so I, I guess they're gonna be like, "Hey, we could we could say it was a um, Tamir Rice like situation, you know, playing a toy BB gun on them and say, hey, we were in fear for our lives, and, and he shouldn't have been out here with a BB gun.' This this is how disgusting these people are, you know. I I hesitate to even use the term people to refer to them. These are some 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 very vile, evil slave catchers. This is basically premeditating, premeditated murder. It, that's the premeditated aspect. You you are premeditating to plant evidence if you had killed somebody, or shot somebody, using a toy gun. Ward said the officers kept BB guns in their police cars in case we accidentally hit somebody or got into a shootout so we could plant them. Well, how are you going to get in the shootout with unarmed people that you would need to plant guns? So just say because y'all went out there and murdered somebody. Or you murdered somebody during the course of your slave catching duties because when you ran up on, they were running up on people. Like if they saw, let's say somebody was cleaning up their car or just chilling on on the street in in their car, listening to music with friends and, you know, just standing around. We see this all the time with, with teenagers and what have you. These guys who were driving around in unmarked cars now, mind you, and just run up on these on these individuals, these groups of people, terrifying them. That's the terrorism aspect of it and chasing them. Scaring them like they some jump out boys. Like nobody knows who these people are. This is terrorism, and this and this widespread. And that's why there was an eruption of violence in Baltimore because of li- listen to the cop telling you. In one particular incident, members on the task force found a man's address, went to the home without a warrant, and found drugs and money. After finding about two hundred thousand inside a safe, the officers took a hundred, took one hundred thousand out, closed the safe back up, then filmed themselves pretending to open it for the first time. Man, they're even actors too. Told you, man, these these cop reality shows, slave catcher reality shows, is exploitation. So that's that's what we have from um let me see if I can get this this video to play. I'm almost sure I had let's see if I can get this to play. I made a clip of it. I believe I did. Could be that one. <laughs> 
we'll we'll try this one. We'll invite you to become a member of the BTR community okay, subscription based the social media platform. The Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you My bad. to become a member. This video does not want to play, but I want to play it for you. So let me get off of BET and let me go to CBS uh, Baltimore and see if we can get that play. Also, I want to throw out there something for y'all to think about. And again, take our poll um, on Twitter. If you follow us on uh, at Black Talk Radio, take the poll, share it with others. Let's gauge public opinion. Let's see if there's public support out there to get rid of these prison exploitation films, all this money being made off of it. It's not benefiting uh, the prisoners nor their families. I should be able to get this one to play if I turn off, disable this, because I want y'all to hear, hear it. Some professional script readers. I want y'all to hear them, man. And and some of the people uh, themselves, reporters, giving you firsthand information. This is just another aspect of the toy guns, you know, giving them toy guns or BB guns to plant on people so they could Tamir Rice them. You know, disgusting. For me, I felt like when I created... Okay, it, it, it's starting. So let me uh, let this... advertisement play and by the way uh, Black Talk Media Project does have some business sponsorships for those who want to sponsor public black media stunning testimony at the federal corruption trial of two Baltimore City police detectives one of their former partners in an elite gun unit took the witness stand and detailed widespread abuses of power WJZ investigator Mike Huggins live at the federal courthouse with the dramatic testimony today Mike Mary, that comes from former detective Maurice Ward. He talked about police robbing drug dealers, among other people, pulling people over just because they drove, say, an Acura or a Honda, and doing something called door pops, where they'd rush up to a group of people at full speed and then chase those who ran from them. You can see the cocaine up in the visor. This is the Gun Trace Task Force at work. Federal prosecutors say the officers who were part of it preyed on people, stealing cash and drugs. Jurors are now deciding the fates of two detectives, Daniel Hersel and Marcus Taylor. Prosecutor Leo Wise said they were simply put both cops and robbers at the same time. One of the star witnesses, Detective Maurice Taylor, who's already pleaded guilty, took the witness stand and described the breathtaking scope of corruption. Officers in plain clothes, unmarked cars, roaming the streets of Baltimore, doing what they wanted when they wanted. Wise said this is not about aggressive policing, it's about greed. The Gun Trace Task Force was a perfect storm of officers who took advantage of their positions to enrich themselves. Still confident today? Well, you know. Again, you know, as I said yesterday, I'm always confident. But it's been a good day. Thank you. William Perpura is the high-powered defense attorney for Detective Daniel Hersel. He told jurors the mandate was to get guns off the street. Quite frankly, we don't care how you do it. And overtime was given with a wink and a nod right up the chain of command. Four to eight hours for each gun seized, whether worked or not. 
prosecutors accuse his client of falsifying over time. Perpura admitted Daniel Hersel breached that oath. His actions embarrassed the Baltimore Police Department, his family, and himself. But he contends the feds overcharged the case, that Detective Hersel is guilty of theft, not felony robbery, and the fellow officers and victims testifying against him simply aren't credible. And another dramatic moment came when federal prosecutors dumped out a bag used by the former head of the GTTF, and it had ropes and masks and other tools used to rob people. Testimony, Mary, resumes on Thursday. Mike, thank you. And three other former detectives in the gun unit are scheduled to testify for the prosecution. So there you have it. And you have three more former slave catchers who's going to take the stand. And we have this cop saying this was widespread. These slave catchers could just run wild in the city and prey on the people of Baltimore. And then you got the nerve for of people out there saying that, hey, busting up some cop cars. Now I understand. Put that into the context. Remember the young teenage guy? The picture went viral of him on top of one of them Baltimore police cars busting out the window and stuff. And he was facing like a ridiculous amount of time, even though I think they they kind of plea bargained their way. And I don't think he served any time or something. But his parents kind of threw him under the bus because they don't understand 21st century slavery and human trafficking. And that their son and many sons like him are victims and their daughters, and, and they could be victims themselves. All of us can fall victim to it. As our guests, you know, going to college, playing semi-pro ball, Mr. Jimmy Gardner, playing, hey, I, I bet as a young man he had, he was like just, just really enjoying what life had to offer through hard work, and it could just all be gone like that. It could all be gone like that. And then we want to blame people for busting out a window. And look at what, look at what, the, this is slavery. How did, what What do you want? People to just, I guess, nonviolently accept slavery or, or something? I guess that works out better for you that way, but yes, tell you very disgusting very disgusting all right if we don't have any phone calls again the telephone number is 80 704-802-5056 704-802-5056 going to take a station identification break do have a segment a, a part of the regular segment i don't think we do the abolitionist profile anymore because we're doing the history and rebellion and featuring those part of that rebellion as the abolitionist so we kind of roll two segments into one. So we do got a history and rebellion coming up. The 1811 slave rebellion of Charles uh, Deslandes. And I need to uh, rewrite that because I call, I rewrote what I found and it came from a black website, but we don't know better until we do better. And we're calling people slaves and they're victims of slavery. We got to change our language. That. I mean, that's how the enemy is writing these people down as slaves. This is a slave rebellion, not a victim rebellion, not a victim of slavery rebellion, no, a slave. They use the dehumanizing term, a slave. They just keep reinforcing that in your mind. So 
I rewrite these things when I have time before I present them to you. And and again, to the writers out there, just, just consider the language that you're using and, and if you could change it in such a way to portray the true victimization of the people who are affected by this. All right, so, but we are going to take a station identification break. We're going to kick uh, one track and we'll come back, take your calls, um, give the history and rebellion. And then um, we'll close out the show. We got Mind, Body, and Spirit coming up later tonight. So make sure you stay tuned for them. They come on at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time right here on Black Talk Radio Network. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio. My name is Scotty Reed, broadcasting from behind these enemy lines. And we'll be right back. The Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium.
To New Abolitionist Radio right here on your number one digital radio station for independent black media. That's Black Talk Radio Network. Visit us online. Also, join us at btrcommunity.com, which is a social media platform set up for the listeners of Black Talk Radio. And it's a way that we can remain independent as we fund black media institutions. So, um, definitely, that's a fight to power. Public Enemy. Everybody should know that track. So we are going to go into our segment, History and Rebellion. This is the 1811 Rebellion Against Slavery of Charles Deslandes, is how I will try to pronounce his name. And uh, after we hear about him, and I had to rewrite this because I just, I just can't. I can't sit up there and call these people slaves and just accept it because it's written that way everywhere. And I have to, I have to change it up. I, I ha- if I had like a team of people that I could pay to do a job, I would have them going on Wikipedia and all these other uh, sites that allow users to change 
how these victims are referenced. Calling them slaves, man, that's a dehumanizing term. And I really didn't look like look at it like that until Sister Phil Wangaza elder who works on the issue of, of prisoners' human rights, especially for our political prisoners. And she's also running the Malcolm X Grassroots Center down there in Greenville, South Carolina, as well as her radio has a um a low power FM radio station had a chance when I was down there giving the workshop on uh black media um communications and uh had a chance to stop in on her station and and take a look at how terrestrial radio station works it's it's really no different than what we do digitally but a whole lot of more wires and a lot of electricity and and yeah so but uh it was great visiting down there so um, let's get into this history and rebel, rebellion segment. This is the 1811 Rebellion Against Slavery of Charles Deslandes. says, the last thing any racist wants to see is hundreds of armed victims of slavery waving banners and beating drums while marching down the road. But that's what happened in January of 1811 when Charles Deslandes led the largest revolt against slavery in U.S. history. Sick of working on a Louisiana plantation, Deslandes organized a massive rebellion, which was no easy feat over several years. He secretly communicated with victims of slavery across the Louisiana coast, holding meetings in fields, taverns, and at victim gatherings. He also had to overcome massive language barriers because many of his fellow victims of slavery had come straight from Africa and Haiti. But finally, on January the 8th, 1811, Deslandes made his move. The victims of slavery of the Woodland Plantation armed themselves with holes, axes, and cane knives, hacked up their masters, and marched west where they met with victims of slavery from a second plantation led by two Ashanti warriors, no less. There were now 200 to 500 victims of slavery on the warpath, burning every plantation they came across. And while they spared women and children, they made short work of the men. This was every Southerner's nightmare, and the roads to New Orleans were backed up for miles with whites running for their lives. The government sent the military to challenge Deslandes, and since the victims of slavery had few guns, they had to retreat. They didn't get far before they were trapped by a local militia. With nowhere to go, the victims threw down, fighting valiantly with their farm tools, but in the end, they were simply outgunned. The victims of slavery who didn't escape into the swamps were captured and executed. As he was the leader, this Lions Day's course was mutilated. Finally, the racists struck, uh, stuck the rebels' heads on spikes and set them along the river from New Orleans to Laplace to serve as a warning to any victims thinking about fighting back. And this excerpt comes to you. They did a little article about 10 um, abolitionists in history. And one of them I take issue with because, you know, um, he was born into as a victim of slavery, but he wasn't an abolitionist. He was too young at the time, but they got him listed. But anyway, Deslandes, Charles Deslandes, 
was listed, and I never heard his story before, and that comes from listview.com and annotated by yours truly, Scotty Reed, to remove the dehumanizing term, terms the system puts in use of these victims. All right, so we're getting ready to close out the broadcast. We have my body and spirit coming up with Sister Black Rose and Feather Light coming on. Again, that's at the top of the hour, 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Max uh, isn't here to give his final statement as Max is moving into uh, the new residence there as we were lucky to hear from him earlier. Also, shout out again uh, to our guest, Mr. Jimmy Gardner, victim of slavery, spent over 20 years on wrongful conviction, felony charges, violent charges, rape charges, sexual assault charges, was innocent the whole time, uh, derailed his, his semi-pro baseball career and interrupted his college pursuit of a business, business management degree. Hope he gets his res, uh, res, reparations because he's owed his reparations in West Virginia. You need to pay the man the reparations that you owe him for throwing him into 13th Amendment slavery and then setting him up to even do that, ignoring all the evidence, fabricating evidence. So share this story, especially when we, you know, have these victims come on and can tell us their stories themselves. So it's not just me telling you about a victim's story. But, yeah, please share these podcasts and just, you know, thank you all who are in this struggle to abolish 21st century slavery and human trafficking. Um, let me see my body and spirit. I guess I actually won't be back on air too next Tuesday. Make sure that you put it in your calendar. BTR News with Scotty Reed will be on next Tuesday at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time right here on Black Talk Radio Network, your home for independent black media. Peace and blessings to all. Stay safe behind these enemy lines. Become an abolitionist if you are not one today. Rise up, as Max would say. Rise up, 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 rise up. Just lift your eyes up. Let your wise rise up, see the signs of the times, if it's time, rise up, rise up. When death and hell dwell among all God's people, when those we chose and trusted have become completely corrupted 